Happy Friday, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Friday Ogre, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Carrie Cabernal Jacobs with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Catherine Bishop, president of the OEA. Fried Okra is a weekly podcast where we get together to talk about public education issues in Oklahoma. We hope you'll join us every Friday. Well, we are so excited today to have with us Sarah Green, the Executive Director of the Teachers Retirement System of Oklahoma. Uh, Congratulations, Sarah, brand newly minted Executive Director of TRS. How are you? Thank you. Yeah, I'm great. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me this morning. Yeah. So uh, let's, for folks who might not know you, you were General Counsel for TRS before. Like, give us a little background about about your career before you became Executive Director. Sure. Well, I... um was, you know, born and raised in Marlowe, Oklahoma. Yeah. And I, uh, after law school, went into private practice for about 13 years and then transitioned over to teacher's retirement system where mm-hmm. I served as general counsel for three and a half years. And then with our previous director's retirement, mm-hmm. um, decided to throw my hat in the ring for the director position and um, began that position July 12th. Awesome. So here we are. So, I mean, there's a lot of things going on with TRS and we'll, we'll get to those. So, but what, what are your goals? What do you, what are your, I guess, big dreams for TRS right now? Well, my big dreams for TRS, there's always, you know, first and foremost, we have to manage our investments prudent, prudently. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm always um, visiting with our investment staff and our investment consultant and our board of trustees and ensuring that that is, that is happening because that's how we pay all of our, our benefits mm-hmm. to our, to our members. But as far as my, you know, personal goals for TRS or things that I really want to accomplish, I want to, first of all, I want to increase our communications. We, I think we do a very, very good job of educating our uh, members when they are nearing retirement. So when they're two two or three years out from retirement, we do a very good job with our retirement planning seminars and, and projections for those members. Yeah. However, I, I have learned through the years that our newer members, our younger members, mm-hmm. um, our, our newly hired educators don't really understand what their benefit is yeah. and they don't understand how important that is, um, for them. And so I would like to reach out to those members on the front end yeah. and, and say, yeah. here's what your benefit is. Here's how it's calculated. Here's how you can increase your benefit throughout your career. Um, because I, you know, you hear all of those stories about educators going to Texas because they think they can earn more in Texas. Right. When, right. when really, if you look at Texas retirement system and the benefits that they pay, first of all, they don't pay into Social Security. So what? when you retire, you're oh. not going to have Social Security. And that's, we call it a three-legged, you know, stool or three-legged prong of retirement. And that's one of those prongs. Oh, man. I bet there are people who are sadly shocked to find that out. I, I would think oh, so. Man. I would think so. So when you when you factor that in and then you you can kind of look at apples to apples between mm-hmm. Oklahoma and Texas, we pay an excellent retirement benefit mm-hmm. and you get social security. Yeah. So it's, it's a huge benefit. And I think it's just, that's one of the things, I, again, that I want to do is really educate our members on the front end and say, look, these are really great benefits. And also here's how you can increase your own benefit throughout your career. Yeah. A true pension that is going to last your life, your entire, your life. entire yeah. lifetime. Yes. I think uh, that is probably the the most misconfusion that happens. That it is a pension yes. that yeah. you're going yeah. to be able to hopefully live on, but you know it's going to be there for right. the rest of your life. Or if you pass away, your uh, spouse will get that as well. Exactly. Am I saying that correctly? It dep- yeah. Depending on the retirement option you choose, yeah. that is absolutely yeah. an option. So, so speaking of retirement options, there there's been a big change 
in Oklahoma because of Senate Bill 683 for our support staff. Um, can you explain what that change was for our support professionals? Sure. So I will tell you what precipita- precipitated that cha- change was uh, prior to Senate Bill, the passage of Senate Bill 683, support professional had to wait one year before being eligible to join TRS. One year at each, like if like if I if I worked in Putnam City, I had to wait a year. And then if I went to Yukon, would I have to wait a year again? No. Okay. So the first year of your career. You just have to have Got one it. year of public education employment okay. to be eligible to join TRS. Uh-huh. Well, a group approached um, the legislature and TRS and said, we we don't want our support professionals to have to wait a year. Right. And how, how can we accomplish that? Yeah. And so in order to do that, in order to change that plan provision, because we are a qualified plan under the Internal Revenue Code, mm-hmm. we had to see how that would affect other plan provisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we learned was the statute that was in place at the time had some really great grandfathered provisions, which would allow optional personnel to hop in and out of the system without terminating employment. Mm. The IRS no longer allows that, Got but it. it was grandfathered in. Yeah. So when we went to change that provision to allow optional personnel to join without waiting a year, yeah. th- we lost those grandfathered p- provisions. Oh, okay. Got it. And so they now have to opt in or out of the mm-hmm. system mm-hmm. and they're in or they're out. Yeah. They cannot hop in or out of the system, um, you know, without terminating employment essentially. And so that was, that was the, that's how that, the, that ball got rolling. Mm-hmm. And so now they have 30 days from date of hire mm-hmm. or 30 days from July 1st um, when the bill went into effect to make that election. And once they're in, they're in. And uh, once they're out, they're out. Yeah. So it's just been a couple of weeks since that big first push for everybody to make, for everybody who's already in to make their choice. So I know it's a little early to ask about, you know, what you're seeing, but like anecdotally, what are some things that you're seeing? We are, you're right. The, tr- the trends, are, it's a little too early to really kind of nail down. We hope we're going to see a larger enrollment in TRS yeah. because again, it yeah. is such a good benefit for our public education employees, yeah. not just the teachers, but support personnel. Absolutely. Right. Um, and so we're hoping that we'll see a, a, an increase in enrollment in uh, membership. But I will tell you um, one thing that I've seen just here recently that really has, has stuck with me is we had a member that has been, um, he was a, in a jan- janitorial staff with a public school since 1999. Okay. And in May, when the election forms came out to opt into teacher retirement, he signed an election form to opt in. Mm-hmm. Now, his 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 uh, enrollment would start July 1, um, based on the fiscal year, based on the school year. Mm-hmm. And so he his first contribution would actually not be paid into the plan until the school remitted the report for July, which gets done in the 1st of August. Mm-hmm. Um, and before the school could even remit that first contribution to TRS, but after the effective date of his enrollment, he unfortunately passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a terrible, you know, it's a terrible story, except that there is an $18,000 death benefit that teacher's retirement pays out to its active members. Mm-hmm. And so his family will receive that $18,000, yeah. um, even though he really had not, you know, even though his, for the first contribution will won't be remitted to us. Yeah. Um, he certainly wouldn't have in, you know, under no circumstances already paid in that amount of money to TRS, but we, that is a statutory benefit. It's a guaranteed benefit to our active members. And so his family will at least get that. So like I said, it's a very good benefit. We're hoping to see, um, more support personnel enroll in TRS. And when you think about that, 
you know, when you, when you said that $18,000 death benefit, I mean, a lot of our support staff, that's what they make. Yeah. I mean, that's a year yeah. of income for their family after a tragedy. That is, I mean, that's huge. That, you know, for our, I always say our hardest working school employees, yeah. our support professionals yeah. that are paid the lowest wages mm -hmm. and to know that at the end of your career, you're going to have a pension. Uh -huh. that you're going to uh -huh. be able to rely on yeah. and to know when you're active. I, many of uh, all, uh, all educators, teachers, support professionals do not realize that there is a death benefit that comes with your teacher retirement as well and is a blessing to a family um, if they have to go through that. So exactly. thank you. So, okay. So this year it just seemed like there was this explosion <laughs> of, retirees. What's up? Why is this happening? Well, you are correct. There was an explosion of retirees. We processed uh, we processed a record number of retire retirements this summer. And when I say this summer, I'm talking about May, June, and July retirements. Okay. And so we processed five more retirements this summer than we, we did in the two previous summers. So in 2019... Just five? Oh, excuse five, me, 500. Five, oh, okay. <laughs> wow. It's enormous. <laughs> it was huge. 500 okay. more retirements. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, when we looked at 2019 oh and 2020, gosh. we averaged about 1,300 retirements each summer. And this summer, we're just over 1,800. And, I, you know, I think about that, and I think there were several factors at play there. Um, we're in a pandemic, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. so that just, again, you almost have to, it's, it's really difficult to to assess what that has done until we're, you know, until it's in the rear view. But we're certainly in a pandemic. I feel like that's definitely a factor. You've sure. got uh, yeah. baby boomers mm -hmm. that are eligible for retirement and mm -hmm. especially mm -hmm. our, our membership that's rule of 80. Yeah, 80 um, and out. Yeah. They are, they, they are and, and have been eligible. And so if you're on the cusp of deciding whether or not you want to retire and you're in the middle of a pandemic, you know, that's, that's a factor. And then also I think, you know, the teacher pay raise mm -hmm. went right. into effect three years ago, okay. 2018. And so also those members that joined that their final average salary is calculated by three, the average of their three highest years. Yeah. I think that that, you know, they, if they thought in 2020, if I can hold out for one more year, that mm -hmm. will really mm -hmm. impact my retirement. And so, you know, so I think there are several factors that have played into this. So I want to backtrack a little bit sure. um, because the two of you got very inside baseball teachery right there. <laughs> um, talk about, so for folks who might not be familiar, rule of 80, rule of 90, um, big picture, what, is that, what does that mean? Well, that means depending on your enrollment date in the teacher retirement, mm -hmm. you are either rule of 80 or rule of 90, which means your age plus your years of service. Uh -huh. um, needs to hit needs to equal eighty to be uh -huh. eligible to, to retire, uh -huh. or your age versus your plus your years of service needs to uh, equate to ninety to be eligible to retire. Cool. And so, if you're if you were rule of eighty, you know, if you think about age and years of service, you know, if you're you know fifty and you've got thirty years of teaching service, which is quite possible, you're, yeah. you're eligible to retire at fifty. Yeah. Oh man. Lucky ducks. I know. Um, I got fun fun fact. I started teaching in January of 1991, six months before the rule of 92 oh, effect the next year. I know. You scooted right I in there. Just <laughs> snuck right in that door. Um, so one of the issues that comes up, it, it feels like there's chatter every legislative session, and it feels like there's chatter about this upcoming legislative session about defined 
contribution versus defined benefit. Can you talk to us about like, essentially that's like trading a pension for like a 401k style retirement fund. So can you talk about what are the differences between those systems and why, uh, why pensions are better? Is my, like, yeah. is that, that was biased. I'm sorry. <laughs> go, go ahead, sir. Well, def- you're exactly right. We are a qualified plan under Section 401A of the Internal Revenue Code, meaning we are a defined benefit plan uh-huh. as opposed to a defined contribution plan, which is, like you said, a typical 401K uh-huh. under the Internal Revenue Code. And the difference is a defined benefit plan is just exactly how it sounds. Your benefit is defined. Uh-huh. So you know at the outset that you're going to receive a retirement based on your final average salary, mm-hmm. your years of service, mm-hmm. and then in teacher's retirement, it's a 2% multiplier. So you know at the outset, the longer you work, the more you earn, right. the higher your benefit's going to be. Right. And you can calculate that benefit because mm-hmm. you know all of the factors that go into that calculation. Right. You you do pay contributions and your employer pays contributions into teacher retirement. We do invest those in the stock market, mm-hmm. but you're not at the mercy of the stock market. Right. It doesn't matter what the what happens in the stock market. You're still going to get that same defined benefit, that same exact benefit that you're that you you can calculate mm-hmm. um, regardless of what happens to our on the investment side of things. Mm-hmm. And you're going to get that benefit for life. And we also have plans, depending on which uh, retirement option you choose, for a joint annuitant to get that full benefit for life or 50% of that of your oh, retirement man. benefit awesome. for their life mm-hmm. as well. And so, again, you know, it's, it's exactly how it sounds. It's defined. You know mm-hmm. exactly how to calculate it. Whereas under a defined contribution plan, uh, your money is invested in the stock market and Uh you are at the mercy of the stock market. And when you are retirement eligible, um, you you really can't determine the exact amount of retirement benefit you're going to get on a monthly basis. And and you may outlive it. You know, when yeah. you when you talk about that, like I immediately thought of uh, the economic crash in 2008 where people yeah. thought they were going to retire and nope, yeah. like they couldn't. And people who needed to or like, you know, were, were expecting, you know, I've worked to this age and now I'm ready and couldn't do it because there was no guarantee. Like to me, the math is, do I want to know what I'm getting out? Like, yes, please. Mm-hmm. I mean, it allows people to plan. Is it is it fairly simple to say that for the majority of our educators in Oklahoma will be paid more through a defined benefit? Yes, I said that right. Defined benefit, our pension system, a defined benefit, they will be paid more than what they paid in in the long run. They will, they will outlive their contributions. It's mm-hmm. absolutely fair to okay. say that. I will tell you, we have an actuary who does all of those calculations and loves it. Um, oh, you good. know, those are special God people. God bless yes. you so. <laughs> yes, thank you. But uh, <laughs> teachers in Oklahoma, or teachers in the southwest region of the country, live longer than just about anyone else. <laughs> and so we I hang will, on. <laughs> and so I, you know, looking at an average of what an, a teacher pays into our system, and this is just the employee contribution. This is not the employer and employee contribution, uh-huh. but you can kind of do the math. Um, our members outlive their employee contribution in about five and a half years. Oh, wow. And if, if you think a teacher retires at 65 and a life expectancy for a female teacher in Oklahoma is 89 years. Mm-hmm. Holy smokes. Yeah. So they, they've outlived their, the amount they've paid in right. by, 
by a decade or two. Yeah. Yeah. And so and I want to say that some sometimes, and this is just a, a novice outsider perspective, I feel like that the conversation around pensions is, oh, they're so expensive, or we have all of the, you know, whatever, that it's somehow this burden. But really, you guys are paying a boatload of money into the economy when you're when you have those defined benefits. We are. We are. We pay uh, currently just over a hundred million dollars a month out in wow. benefits wow. Um, to our retirees at this point. Man. And so we and we factor that about 93 percent of that stays in Oklahoma's economy. And um, the studies from the studies show that of every dollar we pay out, a dollar and 52 cents comes back to the Oklahoma economy from that in an economic benefit. I mean, that's like an eighth of the state budget right. in a year. That is wild. And it, when we look at our economy, sorry, Sarah, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Um, states, are our colleagues across the country that they have changed from a defined benefit to a defined contribution yeah. are fine. They, they've had to go back because yeah. the retirees um, no longer, they were depending on social services and it became a bigger drain on our economy. So this does help keep our economy going in the long run. Mm -hmm. So that is a benefit because the states that did change have gone back. Yeah. And you have to keep in mind, TRS is a non-appropriated state agency. So yes. we're not out, out there asking the legislature for yeah. money year after year. Right. Most right. of the, I mean, there are employee and employer contributions that go into the plan, mm -hmm. but our benefits are really supported by our investment income. Yeah. And I will tell you this last um, fiscal year for the period ending June 30, 2021, we earned a 32.95% rate of return Which on is, our investment. Crazy. Will you please uh, manage my retirement and that account? Is, that Thank is you. Net, that is a net return. So like that's that is, after we've paid fees, you know, our management fees and things like that. So we had a really great year. Now, do we have that every year? Absolutely not. Sure. In 2020, sure. you know, right on the because we are a June 30 fiscal year, we had, you know, you had March 2020 when everything just went a little right. haywire. And right. so by June 30, 2020, we had recovered, but we still earned less than 1%. But yeah. over over the long term, right. um, we are, our, our assumed rate of return is 7% right now. And, and we are, we are I, I believe our 10-year rate of return was right at 10%. That 32.95% mm -hmm. certainly helped us this Good year. Lord. Yeah. So uh, for folks who, um, who are employees working now, um, if they've got questions, if they need help, if they need to understand kind of where they stand or if they, you know, who, how do they, how do they get help from TRS? Like, what are the steps to like, if, if they've got questions? They can call us. We have a toll-free number um, and a direct uh, 405 local Oklahoma City number, both on our website. Okay. Um, and that's that's the best way to get in touch with us. And that is when I said at the outset that I'm working on improving our communications. Mm -hmm. I understand that that's an area where we have room to improve. Yeah. And so in the past, if you had called us, you might have had to go through two or three prompts to get to a person or <laughs> yeah. get to a voicemail. Yeah. And we've cut that back. And so you oh, should awesome. only have to go through one prompt at most, and you should get to a live person or have the option for a callback. And so I'm definitely encouraging um, our members to call. Our lobby is open. Oh, okay. Um, and so if you need to drop off paperwork, mm -hmm. we our lobby is open. We're now located at 301 Northwest 63rd Street, which is the Harvey Parkway building. And we're on the fifth floor of that building. So if you do need to drop off paperwork, you can you can just come by and drop it off. Now, our counselors are not having in-person yeah. counseling sessions. But if you call our main number, 
they can we can schedule you an appointment and have a Zoom counseling session with you, which I think has been very great because our counselors can share their screen. We can oh, cool. pull your account up right there and yeah. walk through your paperwork and things with you like that. Awesome. So. Well, thank you for taking the time to visit with us and uh, good luck in your new role. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. Well, we are so excited today to have uh, my friend and a brilliant Oklahoman, uh, Heidi Russell, Executive Director of the Coalition of Oklahoma Breastfeeding Advocates, also known as COBA. Heidi, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Carrie? Good. We are so excited you're here. We um, we are wanting to talk about a couple of things with you today, specifically Senate Bill 121. Um, for those who might not know that that's a bill that passed this session that requires school districts to give um, employees time to breastfeed, to pump. And uh, also, so they have to make a reasonable effort to provide a space. And so, let let's back up from that. How did we get here to 121? Why is this significant? Go. Okay. Well, <laughs> first of all, um, Coba would like to thank um, the Oklahoma Education Association for the opportunity to partner with you all yes. on such a an important uh, public health issue, but something that um, is really, really exciting for our public school educators and our school employees. Um, so we got to Senate Bill 121 starting over a year ago in um, about April of 2019, actually April of 2020. So oh, right, right, when the world went insane. Right, right. Um, so Carrie Hicks, as you know, Senator Carrie Hicks is nice um, yes, a, a fantastic senator, hardworking, wonderful woman, and mother of three, yeah. um, breastfeeding mother of three. Uh, senator Hicks came to us um, in about April or May of 2020. Our paths had crossed in, in my in my former life as a pediatric healthcare professional, and so um, we were talking about breastfeeding and. Um, you know, when you go back to work and yeah. kind of, it's, it's just not real easy to try to figure out all those things. Right. Um, and she's like, you know, I, I'm a teacher. I was a teacher my former life. I'm a lifelong educator. It's really not easy when you go back to work as a teacher yeah. because you don't have, um, protected breaks. And I was like, you know, that's crazy. You know, you think about, um, you know, that this is just, you're in an education setting, you're in an area, uh, in an environment that is very supportive most of the time. And so um, I called actually my friend, Joe Dorman, um, former, you know, state legislator. Outstanding advocate. Yes. And we started talking about this issue and he's like, you know who you need to talk to, in addition to Carrie Hicks, of course, you need to talk to Tony Hasenbeck. Um, and, you know, down in Elgin, Oklahoma, a teacher. And I was like, okay, so we just kind of started this little, you know, yeah. group of folks. And then before we knew it, um, we had Senate Bill 121 yeah. proposed. And we really, what we did is we looked at in um, the former year, um, in 2020, actually, it became law. But um, state employees are very much like um, teachers. They are exempt workers. And so if you don't qualify, so what's that mean? well, so you're a salaried worker, you often don't qualify for overtime. And so in 2010, 
the United States passed the law with the Affordable Care Act, which was the break time for nursing mothers. And so we were like, this is great. All women who are going back to work after delivery um, are going to be able to have yeah. protected break times. Right. And and we what we know is that, um, and I learned this in one of our forums that we did with you all, which were great, that um, not all mothers have 12 weeks of, um, you know, oh, no. leave after no. they had six weeks. Standard is six weeks. That's right. And, you know, you think about, you know, the first three weeks postpartum is, oh, you're a little wacky no. anyway. Six weeks, you're still trying to stay awake. Six weeks. <laughs> you know, I remember when, when I had my child, who is now 20, who was breastfed, I remember, okay, I've held down a good job for most of my life. I went back to school. I got a master's degree, you know, and I remember the first time I took my son to Target, I didn't even... I put him in the car seat. I didn't even drop him in. I didn't even know, you know, if you, if you read those assembly, you know, required of your car seat, you just think I'm never going to like leave the house. Right. So you just, you think, oh my gosh, we're asking our new moms to go back to work so early. So this legal technicality was created in 2010. So if you have um, a salary job and you don't qualify for overtime, you get zero protections yeah. to pop. Um, so, just amazing which me. is unbelievable. So what happens is we're moms, we're women, you know, we just do it, right? So you do it. You're, you're one, you're wanting to do what's best for your family. You want to do what's best for yourself because we know breastfeeding is really good for you. It's a great way to get back into shape, um, back into kind of that, you know, that healthy, um, you know, what you maybe somewhat normal see pre-pregnancy, it's great for your baby too. So you're doing what's best for your family, yet you have to run to your car in the yeah. middle of August, you know, yeah. after you start school. Um, I, 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 I popped in a closet in my room and everyone was so jealous of me because I had closet. They were like, oh man, you don't have to worry about someone coming in your classroom. You don't have to sit against the door. You don't have to like, Everyone was legit so jealous. Like, you don't have to go to the bathroom. And I was like, compared to breastfeeding when I was working in the private sector, where I had a room, I it was totally private, it locked, it was, you know, anyone could use it. There were, it was decked out in cleaning supplies, all this stuff. And when I was teaching, I was like, this is terrible. And then everyone was like, you're so lucky. And I was like, what? And there's huge disparities. Right. Know, like our organization, the Coalition of Women Breastfeeding Advocates, we are your state's breastfeeding coalition. So um, we get calls from folks all over the, the state of Oklahoma. And it's really interesting. I mean, I get calls from folks who um, have private offices, but maybe their office has windows in it. So they, they crawl underneath um, their desk to pump because if there's not a lactation space that's designated you know, at your company and you have lots of women who maybe are postpartum like you who are pumping, everyone's in the bathroom at the same time. Right. So my friend actually who worked at a, at a major uh, company here in Oklahoma, she's like, I just would crawl under my desk. And it was you know, that's kind of what I had to do. <laughs> we can do better. So in 2020, the state of Oklahoma passed um, actually two laws 
um, state employees did not have protected breaks either because most of them are exempt. So, you know, there are many state employees who are women, many state employees who are of childbearing age who go back to work quickly. Um, so right here, we're, we're looking at the, the beautiful window at the Oklahoma Education Association as, at our capital. So we were asking our state employees to run to the bathroom or run to their car or run to an electrical closet. And so Representative Carol Bush and many other legislators were like, we can do better for our state employees. Yeah. So they created and passed a law that said, one, you have protected break time and it's paid. And the other part of the laws were, if you are a state-owned building or a leased building, then you were given a private lactation space and it's clean and it's sanitary and it, the door locks. And so when Representative Hasenbeck and Senator Hicks, when we were talking about the actual legislation, we looked at those bills and we were like, here we go. We need to do this for our, our school employees. So many times, it's amazing. Uh, educators are state employees in certain times right and then not considered state employees in other times right. and, and i so asked that to carrie hicks and i think i may have asked that to carrie coppernell i was like can you help me understand this i, I don't understand and they were like oh okay here's this gap and this crack and i was like oh my gosh this doesn't make sense we yes. could do better so one of the things that you mentioned about was it's so let's talk about spaces because um the law says that the, um, the districts have to make a reasonable effort, um, and some districts are actually going ab above that. And like in Oklahoma City Public Schools, we've said you, we will have a space in every work site. Um, that's, not a that's not a bathroom. That's not a bathroom because no one wants to eat in the bathroom. Um, so what <laughs> what does a good space look like? Like what because that might be overwhelming to people. Like oh my gosh, I don't even know what to put in there. I don't even know how we're going to pay for it. What, are, what is it going to look like? What are what are like the, the basic elements if you are putting together a new space, like let's say you're converting like a like a closet, you're converting a classroom, you're converting something. What are what should people be thinking about to include in there? Sure. Um, something that is important to know about SB 121 is that it covers all district employees. Yes. So all just teachers. Absolutely. Although yeah. we were like, okay, this is the teacher pump bill, but it is for any employee yeah. in your district. So we know that we have teachers, we have paraprofessionals, we have administrators, principals, superintendents, custodians, bus drivers, custodians, yeah. bus drivers who are going back yeah. at six weeks at six all the time. Um, and kind of the myth, you know, is that that a lactation space has to be large, that it has yeah. to be elaborate. Elaborate. It, it's not true. Um, you know, it is nice to have literally about three feet of walking space, um, but it doesn't have to be this huge space. In fact, I've been talking to um, a, a few districts. We actually um, we talked about this um, in one of our, our forums with you all, is that there's a couple of districts in Oklahoma um, Guthrie Public Schools, yeah. Tulsa Public Schools, there's Sodexco um, Nutrition Services, and then Pleasant Grove Public Schools, who have been um, doing some really great breastfeeding-friendly policies. They are actually considered State of Oklahoma Department of Health and COVA 
recognized breastfeeding friendly work sites. So what I can do is I can provide you some contacts so that, that you can maybe call Guthrie Public Schools and say, yeah. hey, how did you do this? And, and they've been doing this for you know a year or two. Um, so lactation space needs to really kind of have three things. It needs to be clean, it needs to be comfortable, and it needs to be private. Yeah. Um, and private can be a lock, which is really nice. Um, sometimes if the door doesn't lock, it, ne it needs to be a sign. And we, the Education Oklahoma Education Association and COBA in the American Federation of Teachers, will be providing for the districts a, a nice door hanger that says mom's at work um, and please knock before you go in. So again, it should never be um, a toilet stall. Right. It's never appropriate, like you said, to eat um, or feed your baby in a toilet stall. Yes. So, so we need to, to make that very clear. So it needs to be comfortable, it needs to be clean, um, it needs to be private. Um, you need to have a comfortable chair. You know, a chair is nice, but as we know, um, if you've ever pumped, if you've ever breastfed, um, anytime you're doing something like that with your body, it's nice to be able to have a chair that, that maybe reclines, having like a recliner rocker. I mean, how many times do we know of, of moms, teacher moms, who have maybe finished their breastfeeding journey who have a rocker at home yeah. that they could donate to their school. Exactly. Yeah. Need something with arms on it. Need something with arms. arms. Absolutely. Um, it's you need a table. You know whether you're going to be breastfeeding the baby, um, but you're going to have a pump. You're going to have all kinds of other little things. You need to have a table in there. It doesn't have to be a huge table, but um, it needs to be even maybe like a little desk. Yeah. Um, and then something that's really nice also is. Um, a mirror. Uh, my boss, Becky Mantle, who is at the chair of COBA, the other night on our on our forums, she texted me and she was like, remind them a mirror. Because how many times have um, we had to change clothes and let's like, oh, okay. Yeah, you need to get all that back in place before you walk out to your <laughs> Yes. And I was like, okay, I remember that when I was talking. Just give me a little drop in my stomach because I did not have a mirror and like these words like being all then put together for my students when I went back out up there. Oh my word. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. So it's really nice to have a mirror. Um, it's nice to have a fan, like a small fan, yeah. um, because when your body is working, we know mm -hmm. your body's working. Right. And that's why SB one twenty one is so important. Um, because when you are a lactating uh, person, when you're a lactating teacher mom. If you're not expressing your milk, like two to three times a day during the school day, your milk supply is not going to be um, productive. It's not going to be, um, you're not going to be getting what you need for your baby. Right, because if you're pumping less and less and less, it's signaling to your body that you're that you're kind of wrapping it up. Absolutely. Um, so that's why it's really important to offer these accommodations to our, our um, breastfeeding school employees because they need to be able to keep their, their milk supply up. So when you're in your lactation space at your school and you're pumping, your body's working. So it's, you know, you need a fan. And then I know this kind of sounds, you know, like a given, but you need electrical outlets. Um, you That's know, important. Check yes. the space. Yes. You know, you might have a space and go, oh, I'm not using that space. 
we can maybe put up a partition. It might be private. Yeah. Um, we might be able to put up a partition so that you can have a couple of bombs yeah. pumping at the same time. But you have to have electrical outlets. Yeah. And that's really, really important. Uh, I don't know any uh, pumps that run on battery packs. They may have been out there. And, and there are incredible pumps, actually. You know, something we, we talked a little bit about, um, about how you can be supportive to your fellow school employees. There are such incredible um, lactation supplies on the market now. There are actually yeah. pumps. There are like pumping undergarments and bras where you can literally put the pump in your bra and you can be pumping in your lactation space at school and you can be grading papers at the same time. I know and, and my colleagues and that's when she would be grading papers or reviewing for her next lesson. So we talk about the space and uh, we had talked earlier that it would be ideal if you have a refrigerator in oh, the space. Absolutely. So, you know, but if you, you're in school and they say, well, you know, we've got a refrigerator in the teacher's lounge, you, yeah. we have one, is that good or bad? Okay, so I would say that might be plan B. Um, plan A is going to be um, that you have a, a small refrigerator. Again, it doesn't have to be a full-size refrigerator. A small, like, dorm-size refrigerator yeah. um, in that designated space. Again, this is something that anyone who has kids in college, I, right now, in my garage, I have a one-year-old brand new refrigerator. I'm not using it. I would be happy to donate it oh to any district everyone's gonna that needs it, seriously. And that's something <laughs> that you can look to your maybe your PTA or your local foundation within yeah. your school yeah. district. But it's really important to to have that designated refrigerator. Having a refrigerator in the teacher's lounge, that's really nice. Um, but what happens is it's not private and yeah. Yeah. we know what it's like. You know, I am the type of person that can grab your lunch and I'll grab and somebody just take milk and throws your milk away yeah. and we know it's liquid gold. It is, and you can't afford to lose. So, you know, this makes me think, Carrie, that uh, there are so many funds that our districts have. Yes, I was just going to say, like, what are yeah, other ideas for that? Bond funds, yeah. PTA funds, yeah. general funds, yeah. that, uh, you know, we have all this federal funding that's coming down that's is giving our districts a lot of relief on things that they need to uh, buy and supply. And it's also freeing up our general fund. And so, you know, I know a college dorm refrigerator, uh, maybe a hundred bucks or whatever, but what a great donation for PTAs. Oh or Absolutely. Yeah, when you say that, I think finding a PTA that you said, we want to support our nursing moms. It's a, it's a parent group. They get, I mean, or a student council. Like if you said, can you guys sponsor a mini fridge for $150? Like, uh, it, I think that's a great solution. I had a, I had a mini fridge in my classroom because just for specific needs that we had for my classroom, but our nursing moms would specifically come and bring their uh, their liquid gold into my room because they knew it was safe. It was like getting eaten at lunch or grabbed or taken home or whatever. And so, in fact, they would leave notes on my door. Don't forget my milk when I go home. Right, right, right. <laughs> so I would say that that teacher's lunch fridge is better than not having anything right. on site, but it's really preferable to have a designated, um, like, milk refrigerator yeah. for for your, for your moms. I would just, I mean, not that there's anything to be ashamed of, not that there's anything that is a surprise, but I, I still would want that privacy. 
You know what I mean? I would still just want that really only kind of visible maybe to other moms or just, I don't know, I just want it to be private. Yeah, I think a great point that um, being on our, our roundtable discussions with us was that the, I, I think we forget. It's, I'm gonna take myself. My daughter turned 39 this month. Uh, so uh, I remember that, and I, I was a terrible breastfeeding mother. I'll just admit it, I, I didn't, but I didn't have the supports. It, you're, exactly, the stress, I mean, it is, there's stress that comes with nursing to get the baby to feed right, to be able to have time to pump if you need to pump. And so thank you, Coba, for what you're doing and all the supports that you're giving our nursing mothers. It's amazing. Well, let's just take a little time and catch up with Catherine. Wow, it's been a busy week this week, Carrie. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Uh, I went to my last um, back to school event. My Miami schools had a lot of construction. They're not starting until after Labor Day. And so it's, so it's like been through the whole month, but it has been awesome getting out and seeing everybody at their back to school events. So that's great. It's been amazing. But I want to let everybody know that uh, the State Department of Education has extended their window for Teacher of the Year applications. So this year they're opening it up to whether you're the District Teacher of the Year or a Site Teacher of the Year, um, you can apply for da, 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 State Teacher of the Year. And so that is um, extended till September 15th, and you can log on to the OSDE website and, and do the application. And, um, you know, this week has been amazing. We have done three roundtable discussions that we pushed out on Facebook Live or on our OVA Facebook page and just had great conversations with Senator Hicks and our, our friends, uh, Heidi and, and Becky from COBA. Amber Hoekstra from Yukon yeah. Public Schools, um, Annette Hines from our advocacy specialist here at OEA. And just, I've heard from many of our members that uh, joined in and listened, and they gained so much information talking about working moms work. And you're going to want to go to our website at okea.org slash working moms work for a, nope, just working moms. Working moms. Working moms. Do not put the work in there. So, okay. Yeah. So literally, I think when you start typing that in, it'll just like pop up, right? Working moms. And you're going to find a toolkit there, right? Super good. Tuesday's myself is there's a lot of cool info in there. Like, well, a lot of it's from COBA. It's a lot of good stuff. Be ready if they're going to have a baby or they're currently nursing to and help. That advocacy piece about making sure that they have that at guaranteed break time and a space that is not a bathroom, no. not a bathroom. Um, and uh, you know, my favorite thing in that toolkit is the door hangers. Yeah, I'm I'm super excited. I like there's a lot of cool resources in there about how to support your colleagues. You know how to. I mean, I learned a lot from it, like about you know ways that you can ways that you can. Be supportive of your coworkers, even if you're not a, a breastfeeding parent. You can you can encourage them, you can support them. There are ways that you can um, su support having a great space for them, because when when parents are allowed to keep working, it's best for everybody. It's best for students when people don't have to 
you know, leave when they don't have to leave the profession or, or leave because they want to be able to nurse their babies, which is, which I had a colleague when I was teaching who was like, I can't, I can't do both. And she, and she chose to leave teaching, which is, no awesome. yeah, and it's not best for kids. Wow. So check it out. Check it out. And every district is going to get two kits. Yes. I'm so excited about that. And that's two door hangers. That's going to be great. Yes. So hopefully everybody, whether you're a staff member or in a leadership position, everybody's on board with the good stuff happening because of Senate Bill 121. So very good. Well, we want to say thank you so much to Heidi Russell of the Coalition of Oklahoma Breastfeeding Advocates. And thank you especially to Sarah Green, the Executive Director of Teacher Retirement, for joining us today. And thank you for listening to Fried Okra, the Public Education Podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Carrie Pompernell Jacobs with the Oklahoma Education Association. I'm Catherine Bishop, President of the OEA. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Fried Okra on Apple Podcasts. You can also contact us at friedoprapodcast at gmail.com. We hope you'll join us again next week. Until then, keep fighting the good fight.